Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. This podcast brought to you by Gowan Canada, makers of Edge Microactive Pre-Emergent Herbicide. The heartbeat of Saskatchewan is agriculture, and 620 CKRM is proud to be your source for everything ag. Welcome to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today. Sitting in for Jim Smalley, here's Tanner Wallace-Gribner. Welcome to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today, brought to you by Harvard Western Insurance. We don't judge. Here's another reminder to renew your plates today. Visit harvardwestern.com and brought to you by Arcola Co-op. You're at home here on Highway 13 in Arcola. On today's show, we're going to chat with Dave Phillips, a senior climatologist with Environment and Climate Change Canada. He's going to give us an outlook about September. We're also going to feature Deputy Prime Minister Christina Freeland on the show and also have Adam Bacallo with his weekly market wrap. We'll also have the farm weather market update and resource report in all their usual spots. This is Saskatchewan Agriculture Today. Sitting in for Jim Smalley, here's Tanner Wallace-Gritner. This portion of Saskatchewan Agriculture Today is brought to you by Johnston's Grain. Your first and last stop for grain pricing and crop protection and farm fresh water. They'll make your water well wonderful and your dugout drinkable. Get your farm fresh water today at farmfreshwater.ca. As the calendar is flipped to September, Mother Nature is keeping around the summer heat this month. Temperatures are set to be in the 30s throughout the first two weeks of September, which is 10 degrees more than the average temperature for this time of year. David Phillips, a senior climatologist with Environment and Climate Change Canada, gives us the outlook for the month. Very much unlike September. I mean, you don't normally see, I mean, temperatures uh, typically in, in September would be, you know, be lucky to get in above 20 degrees and, and nighttime temperatures are down in the single digit uh, numbers. Um, I mean, it's not unusual. I mean, often the first frost in uh, Regina comes around the uh, 13th of the month of September. So, I mean, we're in that kind of frost time, you know, and when I look at the temperatures, I see temperatures at night double-digit temperatures, um, and so nothing close to the freezing mark. I see temperatures that are um, are absolutely into the into the 30s when maybe tomorrow they drop to 24, but then back up to 30, that dome reinforces itself and, and, and locks in even more. And it's, it's really a long-term kind of an effect. Uh, uh, we think the month of September, and, and great for harvesting. I mean, my gosh, I think farmers could take the day off on Sunday, enjoy the game, but get right back onto the fields and finish the, the harvesting. One of the, the things they have been blessed with is that we know that the, the seeding began later this year. And so they they were right away praying for a longer growing season because they knew that they needed it because the front end was uh, was starting much later. Well, their prayers were answered. We're, we're seeing these temperatures are really incredible uh, harvest weather. Um, and um, I mean, it's, I think harvest is going morning, noon, and night, and uh, and no precipitation. You don't want to be mired in muck out there with the combines. And so uh, it's um, it looks about as ideal as you can get. And so what we've seen in August has actually turned out to be um, the warmest month of the summer. 
And we think that weather is going to continue into September. But here's the reality check. Um, August, the difference between August temperature and July temperature is, is typically about uh, 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 one, one degree. Um, the difference between August temperature and September, what we call normal in September or in, or in August and compared to normal in September, uh, the difference is, is more like six degrees. So, I mean, you can't hold the heat on forever. But certainly in the short term, over this coming week, uh, what we've had so far at the end of August, what we see in the first week of, of September, and uh, even into the second week, looks like this heat dome weather is continuing. Over the last couple months, we've seen our fair share of hail and thunderstorms and even tornadoes in certain areas. What's kind of the September outlook looking there? Because I think, you know, usually it's frost and some maybe some fall rain. What's kind of the outlook? Because there's going to be warmer temperatures and, and that usually generates a, a higher chance of thunderstorms. If it stays warm, of course, that's going to activate the, uh, give a lot of fuel to the atmosphere. And so there's that possibility that you could see um, thunderstorms in September, um, they're not as often as, as what you see in July and August. And you know, we had really an active storm season in Saskatchewan this year. I think at last count were 25 uh, tornadoes. Now they were little guys, but nevertheless, when you get a, a year when the average is about 13 and you had double that this year compared to, oh, I think it was eight last year. So it's really been a stormy kind of a year because of the setup with a high pressure and a lot of hot and humid air around and that is feeding these thunderstorms. But, um, you know, I certainly think in the next 10 days, I just don't see any precipitation in the horizon. But you're absolutely right. I mean, you know, you don't want precipitation during the harvest, but boy, you want it to come afterwards because what you're already doing is preparing for next growing season. And so what we don't want to go is to keep this dryness carrying on right through till we get a hard frost and, and, and a little bit of snow comes and the ground freezes. You want to get some of that kind of fall moisture into the, uh, into the uh, soil profile and, uh, and be kind of money in the bank for next growing season. I mean, farmers, you don't, you know, you don't lose your crop in uh, your next year's crop in, in October, November, but it really helps the, the, the optimism if you've got some moisture after the harvest and it's going for next year's uh, uh, growing season, if you've got that already in the bank. And um, that just makes the, you know, the praying and the hoping and the begging a lot less intense when you come to the start of the growing season next year. Phillips, Phillips added that he believes the heat dome, which is causing the hot weather, will stick around until at least mid-September. That was David Phillips. You're listening to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today. Covering for Jim Smalley, here's Tanner Wallace-Gribner. This portion is brought to you by Prairie 6-inch eavesdrops. An inch makes a big difference. PrairieEavesdrops.ca and Prairie Co-op Grow Team. Fueling farms and feeding families in Cupar, Ituna, Lipton and Strasburg. The Western Canadian Wheat Growers says they've taken a firm stance in opposition to the proposed cut of 30% of nitrogen-based fertilizer emissions in a submission they sent to the federal government. Jim Smolik is their stakeholder relations representative. Number one, we start off, we, we need to kind of uh, let everyone know that, you know, Western Canadian wheat growers are certainly not opposed to, you know, uh, reducing greenhouse gases in every form, including uh, fertilizer emissions. But I think when you look back at the history of, of agriculture in Western Canada, which is, you know, roughly 200 years now, you'll see the, the incredible advancements that, that uh, agriculture and Western Canadian farmers have 
uh, have made. And so, you know, while we're not opposed, uh, you know, we do need to move forward in kind of that rational manner uh, when the, you know, either the technology or the, you know, the ability to do, to, to reduce those emissions does not impact, uh, you know, the, the producers themselves. But we, we do sort of see, I guess, sort of uh, three buckets, um, you know, in, in, in essence, uh, uh, you know, the 30%, um, you know, we feel has just sort of been pulled out of, out of the air somewhere, uh, you know, and we're not really sure how that uh, came about. Uh, you know, we know they have the National Inventory Registry and, and, uh, and you know, you can go back and look at historically, uh, you know, when they, since they started it in about 1990 and, and uh, you know, you look at those reports and they're all, you know, very confusing. Um, but uh, the biggest issue is there's been no engagement. You know, the government has not been engaged with producers. They've just put this uh, uh, 30% uh, emissions reduction. I mean, they're calling it voluntary right now. Uh, but uh, you know, when you look at this government, uh, they're not attached to Western Canada. And, uh, and no slight on the bureaucrats, but bureaucrats, uh, by and large, uh, they're, they're creating this, uh, legis- or not legislation yet, but they're creating this, uh, uh, this uh, you know, 30% reduction uh, are not attached to the farm either. Many of them have never uh, don't come from ag backgrounds, so the the engagement is uh, is a is a big piece with that thirty uh, percent. The second kind of bucket is uh, you know they're not accounting for past practice, and this is huge for as I mentioned in you know the advancements that have been made in the last two hundred years. Um, you know if you think back uh, you know at the dirty thirties and and they farmed that way because there was no there was no technology there was no advancements that they could actually implement. You know, moving forward into about the 70s when they, when they came up with some, you know, the chemicals that, that helped, uh, you, know, the, you know, the very first chemicals that came out would help you know, reduce some of that tillage slightly. And you look into the 1980s is when minimum till and zero till really started to take, uh, you know, started to be advanced. And, and now you're looking at probably, it used to be 70 to 80% uh, of all farmers in Western Canada are practicing either minimum till or zero tillage uh, as, as we speak. Uh, the other advancements that they're not that they haven't looked at is you know some of the GPS technology where farmers are not overlapping, not putting you know excess uh, fertilizer or burning excess fuel as they, as they farm. Uh, sectional drill controls. I mean you know this is huge. When you know I've talked to some friends that uh, depending on that they farm in very uh, odd shaped fields and around a lot of potholes, and they can save you know they've been saving anywhere from five to ten percent seeded acres per year. Uh, with this section of drill control. And then the field mapping is another one that uh, has, you know, has been, uh, you know, a, a huge uh, improvement uh, where they take the, the mapping from the combine yields and uh, put it into their drill uh, te- uh, computer and it will, you know, adjust the rate on the go. So again, these are the types of things that, that farmers have been doing. And this is all at their own cost. This has not been government uh, you know, regulation or legislation that's told them to do it. This is all been done in order to ensure uh, that this farm land is left in in uh, good shape for their you know their uh, generational transfer of land, and the third kind of bucket uh, that we see is is um, is very um, um, uh, concerning, is that thirty percent is currently voluntary. Well, when does that become legislation? And and that's the concern that uh, you know we've seen with this government in the past. They've uh, they said you know they're going to bring in a fifty dollar carbon uh, tax credit or ta- tax I should say, and before that fifty dollars actually hit, we the prime ministers moved it up to one hundred and seventy. So what's this thirty percent voluntary uh, emissions reduction going to look like in five years for uh, for farmers? 
And I, and I think this, uh, again, comes back to uh, a big concern of, of the Western Canadian wheat uh, growers, which was identified in the letters to the government as uh, food security. Uh, we live in a uh, country that has the ability and has the natural resources to be able to produce more uh, more in, uh, food than we can possibly use and more efficiently than virtually anyone else in the world. And we're having a government stepping in and uh, kind of hamstringing uh, farmers uh, in that ability to produce that food security. And I think that Canadians have kind of lost sight of the fact that uh, of that, uh, the ability to have food security. And I think you don't have to look very far uh, to see what's happened, and even in Canada, and why Salic uh, grain moved in and, and become part of G3, and that was simply because of the food security. So those are, you know, some of the, you know, kind of a uh, few of the things that we have in the letter and, and some concerns, and, and definitely we, we want to make sure that, you know, the Canadian government is, is well aware uh, that, uh, you know, we're not going to be quiet on this, and that we're going to uh, have to educate them on, on uh, you know, agriculture in Western Canada. That was Jim Smolik. Time now for Real Agriculture with Sean Haney. Brought to you in part by Karst Holdings in Assiniboia and Schlamp's Integra Tire in Grenfell. Your locally owned Integra Tire dealers on The Source 620 CKRM. This is your realagriculture.com update. Bring the energy of Real Ag Radio to your next customer meeting or conference. From your stage, we'll record an episode in person to inform and provide insight on the latest in agriculture. Email advertising at realagriculture.com to learn more about this unique keynote opportunity. I am joined right now by Omar Youssef. He is the unit head with the Agriculture Division and Economic Statistics Field with Statistics Canada. Omar, welcome. Thank you for having me, Sean. Okay, today we're going to talk about Ag Zero, and um, we, we've heard some details previously, but I, I think it is a good time to really get an update on on where Ag Zero is going and how this impacts farmers across the country when it comes to some of the surveying that StatsCan is doing. But at the top, what is Ag Zero? Okay, so um, what is Ag Zero? So Ag Zero is an initiative that aims to essentially produce uh, comprehensive, relevant, um, timely information on the industry while reducing as much as possible the burden that's imposed on farmers. So traditionally, statistics can uh, run surveys uh, in order to gather information, relevant information on a specific industry what we're doing with Ag Zero is we're aiming to uh, explore the opportunities to reduce the burden and seek out ways that we can collect the same information using uh, alternative methods. So that includes using administrative data sources uh, as well as uh, some uh, data science techniques, some machine learning, um, things like earth observation data and satellite imagery. Uh, that kind of stuff, we're really looking to include that into the agriculture statistics program to, as I mentioned, reduce the burden as much as possible uh, and continue to release uh, release high-quality information to the public. So that's our goal, and that's our objective for Ag Zero. Yeah, there's really kind of a balance here because trying to obviously you mentioned high quality data that that's the most important thing in my mind. How you get there is kind of what we're talking about. So. What, what has led you down this path? Has it been feedback from farmers saying, I am tired of these surveys, I don't want to fill it out, or I always fill it out inaccurately? Like, what, what's led you down this path? Yeah, absolutely. It's a great question. So, 
Uh, over the past several years, farmers have increasingly uh, expressed their concerns surrounding response burden. Um, but at the same time, data users um, and farmers as well want timely, accurate, and detailed data, um, but while completing the least amount of surveys. So this was the challenge, and that's kind of how Ag Zero came to, to birth and, and, and really started uh, within the Agriculture Statistics Program. So our main priority is to continue to release high-quality information what we're doing with uh, Ag Zero is exploring ways to produce the same information, just using alternative methods, which ultimately um, uh, are, is done in a way that is, uh, you know, reduces the much as much burden as possible imposed on farmers. Which reports are, so, are encapsulated in this initiative? So right now, the Ag Zero uh, initiative is obviously within the agriculture statistics program. So. What we're looking at is really from a broad perspective where we're, we have a, a team of, uh, of analysts that are looking at the surveys and the census of agriculture that uh, could be sections within the surveys and the agriculture, the census of agriculture that could potentially be replaced using high quality information, administrative data sources and, and other alternative uh, uh, methods. So we're not necessarily focused on a specific program, but we are looking at it from uh, uh, you know, a, a broader perspective. Within the agriculture statistics program, there are many surveys that are, are, are being want to run. A lot of these surveys are, are occasional. You have some monthly surveys, some quarterly surveys. What we're doing with Ag Zero is we're really examining whether it's necessary to have the same amount of frequency. Can we replace a certain frequency with modeled estimates and we have shown uh, through a variety of projects that this is possible. You can replace uh, and remove and remove some of the burden that's imposed on farmers simply by, um, uh, you know, examining kind of the opportunities and the data sets that are available. This has been your Real Agriculture Update. You can find out more about this issue or many others at realagriculture.com. It's your agri-weather forecast on The Source 620 CKRM. Welcome to the 620 CKRM Farm Weather Forecast, which is brought to you by Shepherd Realty in Regina, specializing in farm and ranch real estate in Saskatchewan. Call Harry, Justin, or Devin at 352-1866. And Moose Jaw Truck Shop, the number one choice for any diesel engine repair. Drop in, no appointment necessary, or visit moosejawtruckshop.com. Having some technical difficulties right now, but looking at the weather, today it's sunny with a high of 24 and a low of 8. Tomorrow it warms up to a high of 31. The wind's going to be gusting 30 kilometers to 50 in the morning with a low of 13. Sunday, the 30 weather continues with a high of 30. Monday, it warms up to a high of 34. Tuesday, a high of 31. And on Wednesday, we finally drop below that 30 degree mark to a high of 29. The normal high is 21 degrees. The normal low is 6. Sunrise was at 614 this morning. Sunset scheduled for 742 around the province at at this hour in Estevan, it's 20 degrees. The hot spot in the province is Maple Creek at 26, Moose Jaws at 20, Swift Current 22, Weyburn 19, Yorkton 19, and in Regina, it's 20 degrees. You're listening to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today. Sitting in for Jim Smalley, here's Tanner Wallace-Gribner.
This portion of Saskatchewan Agriculture Today is brought to you by McDougall Auctioneers. Get fair market value for your assets with an online auction through McDougall Auctioneers, McDougallAuctions.com. And brought to you by Pattison Liquid Systems. Experts in liquid fertilizer distribution, fertilizers just better when it's wetter. Pattison Liquid Systems, expect the best. Earlier this year, the relationship between the federal government and the trucking industry went sour. COVID regulations for drivers traveling across the U.S. border was one of the sparks that led to a massive truckers' convoy to Ottawa in late January. This week, Deputy Prime Minister Christina Freeland continued her tour of Canada with a stop at the headquarters of Bison Transport in Calgary, where she helped praise on the cuck for she heaped praise on the trucking industry and drivers that are keeping shore shelves stocked during the pandemic. We know that maintaining strong, reliable supply chains is essential to our ability to do that. Continuing to invest in our national trade corridors is essential in our ability to do that. Businesses need to know that they can count on getting the goods they need when they need them. And businesses need to know that they can reliably ship their products across the country, across North America, and around the world. And that is why for our government, for me, being in close contact with the trucking industry is so important, especially now as the global economy is recovering from the COVID recession, from lockdowns, from supply chain snarls. We fought very hard to protect NAFTA and Canada's trading relationship with the United States. And that is a relationship that absolutely depends on you guys. It depends on truckers moving goods across the border at all hours of the day and no matter what the weather. That was Deputy Prime Minister Christina Freeland, who is in Calgary as part of her Get Out of Ottawa tour. You're listening to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today. Sitting in for Jim Smalley, here's Tanner Wallace-Gribner. This segment of Saskatchewan Agriculture Today is brought to you by Dagelman Industries. Look to Dagelman for the most reliable, dependable, engineered tough equipment on the market and Arcola Building Supplies. Small town lumberyard, big on service, ArcolaBuildingSupplies.com. Another week is in the books and the United States has had a significant impact on the markets this week. Adam Pacallo, a futures commodity advisor with PI Financial, gave us the latest update on what happened. Well, Tanner, starting off on the Minneapolis wheat market on the December contract, the contract was about unchanged on the week. Yesterday was quite a large move down, about 40 cents a bushel. Today increased about 20 and again closing about uh, where at least we are trading right now unchanged. On the November canola future side of things, we saw a decline of approximately $40 a ton. Uh, we have seen some interesting moves in, in quite a few markets here. So one of the biggest things this week is the U.S. Federal Reserve yesterday was talking about interest rates and inflation. So we actually did see a surge in the U.S. dollar here this week to really the highest level since June 2002. So 
as economic concerns for the related global economy um, help to trigger that selling in all the grains. And uh, that U.S. dollar, again, is, is one, big, uh, one big factor for all the grain side of things. In addition, really traders just see more grain shipments out of Ukraine as a bearish force and, and global wheat supplies look ample for the coming year and traders expect a jump in planted acres in the U.S. So right now the technical side of things for wheat is still down as crop conditions keep improving. Then when looking at the canola frontier, we have started to see a bit of a bearish development for December soybean oil. So that has put some pressure on canola here recently. Uh, I believe there still are uh, very prominent trading ranges here for canola. I'm watching 780 as the support uh, significantly for the contract, but around 800 is important as well. So we'll see what uh, the coming week brings. And Adam, is there anything else you want to add? Well, this week and the last couple weeks, clients, again, are, are starting to kind of get into a harvest swing. So they're really looking at, you know, how they should be potentially marketing their crops here this year, uh, what they maybe have left to sell, and, you know, should they maybe even be buying back what they're selling? Uh, so that has definitely been one conversation as of late. That was Adam Bacallo. The Market Updates with Jim Smalley on The Source, 620 CKRM. Your market update is brought to you by Freeze Tallman. Get everything you need to finish your projects before fall from Freeze Tallman in Regina and Fort Capel. Looking at the latest Viterra price quotes, Durham at $399.56, Feed Barley $287.87, Canola up seven to $282.15, Chickpeas $925.95, Flax $627.67, Lentils $704.50, Oats is down $23 to Two thirty-seven thirty-two yellow peas at four thirty-one thirteen. Feed wheat two eighty-nine fifty-six. One red spring wheat up five and a half to three eighty. 25. That has been your market update. You can get a look at the grain prices anytime on 620CKRM.com. We'll be back with the Livestock Report. It's the Livestock Reports on The Source 620CKRM. The Livestock Quotes are brought to you by Weyburn Livestock. Call Weyburn at 842-4574. Now here are the latest Livestock Quotes with... Livestock in Moose Jaw. This is Graham Barnett with the Market Report. I have a nice talk here in Moose Jaw. 725 on offer at our Tuesday regular sale. This cow and bull market looked a little lower here this week. Good cows, 112 to 119. Medium wet cows from 96 to $1.10. These yearlings, they're smoking right along right now. It's like they're the last ones made. A few calves in the mix, which sold extremely well. Here's what happened. We had 16 red steer yearlings. 835 at 246 and a quarter. 31 red and black heifers out of the Assiniboia country. 846 at 218.50. Another 13 char and exotic heifers out of Earnfold. 842 at 221 and a half. 889 weight black heifers bring 217 and 50. Yearland and calf resort here Tuesday, September 20th. Thousand expected for that one. It looks like we could have close to 3,000 Charlay and Semitol calves at our Tuesday, September 27th sale. For more market information, give Heartland Moose Jaw a call at 692-2385. This is Graham Barnett reporting. Let's have one great afternoon. This is the Saskatchewan Resource Report on 620 CKRM. Here's Jim Smalley. 
Tanner Wallace Scribner filling in for Jim Smalley. The resource report is brought to you by Second Look Online Auction. Visit secondlookonlineauction.com to see what's up for bid and brought to you by Western Egg Professional Agronomy. If you want to make cropping decisions with confidence, visit growmoreprofit.com. And inflation has been a pain for many, many people, especially here in Saskatchewan. A reporter from the Canadian Press talked to people around the province about how they're dealing with the issue. It's a feeling many Canadians are having these days. Sticker shock at the grocery store. Food costs were up 9.9% in July compared with a year ago. Myron Genick of Mississauga, Ontario says the grocery bill for his family of five has skyrocketed. Not only have food costs gone up, but our children are also getting older. Our oldest is now 13 and he eats a lot. So we have bigger appetites in our house um, and also the, the price of food has gone up. So we've seen a pretty big increase in our grocery bill. University and college students are also being squeezed by inflation. Some are having to make tough choices and even forgo the basics. Hannah Sullivan-Facknitz, a graduate student at the University of British Columbia, says they're surviving by the skin of their teeth, despite having a job that pays well. I got a new job in January that was no longer a student job, and I was making like a real salary. But um, my grocery bills are higher, and my medications are more expensive, and... I can't buy my books anymore. I can't, um, I can't buy cleaning supplies. I didn't do laundry for two weeks because I couldn't afford to buy laundry detergent. I'm simply out of money. Young workers are also feeling the financial toll of higher prices. 28-year-old Afua Deborah of Toronto says she's overwhelmed by the cost of living in Canada's biggest city. I can speak for a lot of younger millennials or like older Gen Z is like we all went to school and you got a full-time job with the intention of saving some money to put down on a down payment for a house. And now we're just watching that slip away because a lot of us for rent are paying more than say our parents paid for their mortgage on their house. Personal finance expert Danica Nelson says a big part of the problem is the cost of living is rising much faster than incomes. Most people's wages are not keeping up with the pace of inflation. It just costs significantly more to simply exist. Money isn't stretching as far these days for parents of young children. They're facing mounting costs for everything from diapers to groceries. New Yorker Carolyn St. Jules considered cutting a family vacation to Quebec short this summer. The former Montrealer and mother of three says prices for everything from gas to hotel rooms were much higher than she expected north of the border. Just to fill my tank from Niagara Falls to come here, it was like 89 bucks. I have like a small four-door Kia. So it's like I, I plan to be out here with the kids because I used to live in the area 11 years ago. So things were way more affordable, but right now I'm looking to see if I'm, I may cut the trip short because everything is just so expensive. Historic price increases have left some Canadians rethinking retirement. Elena Jera with insolvency firm Bromwich & Smith says some workers near the end of their career are questioning whether they can even afford to stop working. Many, many are concerned that they're not going to be able to retire. And even if they do retire, they still might need to get a part-time job. 
She says part of the challenge facing older workers is that sometimes both adult children and aging parents rely on them for support, and those costs have gone up too. There's so many intergenerational um, situations involved in there that are caught and right in between. They're either they're helping their parents or they're helping their children. This is like a sandwich generation. Inflation is also hurting older Canadians. Some seniors say they're staying home more to save money. It's a situation that could put them at risk of social isolation. 69-year-old Azim Jiraj from Sherwood Park, Alberta, says he and his wife have changed many of their social activities to cut back on spending. We have changed quite a bit of our social activities. Going out is a lot less. Entertaining at home is more. But... Also, instead of going to the gym now, I've joined a senior's bicycle group. While people from all walks of life are being affected by price increases, Scotiabank's Rebecca Young says it's low-income Canadians being hit hardest. The biggest filter that we think about when we think about, you know, who's hurting most is the income. Low-income households, for example, and namely because... They spend, you know, half their um, disposable income on what we call essentials. Some relief from runaway costs may be in sight. Experts say inflation in Canada may have peaked, but still, high prices are expected to stick around for a while longer. For the Canadian Press, I'm Brett Bundale in Halifax. On the markets, the TSX is up 119 points. The Dow Jones is down 186. Oil is up 35 cents to $86.96, and the Canadian dollar is up 18 cents to be trading, or 18 one hundredths of a cent, pardon me, to be trading at $76.19 US. That's the resource report, and if you missed any segment of the show, tune into the On Demand Saskatchewan Agriculture Today podcast brought to you by Gowan Canada. Gowan Canada understands the challenges that growers face and takes pride in finding effective crop protection solutions. Visit GowanCanada.com to learn more. I've been Tanner Wallace-Scribner, and that's Saskatchewan Agriculture Today. You've been listening to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today with Jim Smalley on 620 CKRM. If you missed any of today's broadcast, download the podcast now online at 620CKRM.com. Saskatchewan Agriculture Today, following the 12 o'clock news on your voice for everything egg. This podcast brought to you by Gowan Canada. Makers of Edge Microactive Pre-Emergent Herbicide.